Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. Now, I, I brought the LSD and the poppers. Did, did we get the rest of the groceries? Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah, did we bring the jungle juice? <laughs> yeah. I, like, literally was, when I was watching it yesterday, I, I texted, Ash, what did I text you? Uh, losing my mind at the LSD handcuffs and poppers shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love this. This movie is it's the most perfect movie I've ever seen. It's, 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 a, it's the first so flawless 10. Fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was so afraid when I started watching this. I think I was the first, maybe the fir- first one. I don't know if Jay, Jay beat me to watching this, but I was so. No, I just scared. watched it yesterday. Yeah, I was so afraid that this was going to be like an early aughts ultra homophobic right movie. But oh my god, no! <laughs> I had such good feel. I just I just felt I could feel that it was it was like the culture, right? I could just feel it. Like I'm like this is going to be like some 2006 magic. There is yeah. light rimming, but it's come uh, rimming. Oh my god, ribbing! <laughs> it's coming from inside the house. I, I think I knew it was going to be good within the first ten minutes when we have the first cat point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, "Oh, okay." Someone has seen Evil Dead a thousand times. Yeah, that's right. I I respect anyone who names their uh, cat after uh, an extremely popular Italian footballer. We should talk about the Italians in this. We should talk about Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is Italian. It's finally some positive Italian representation on Horror Vanguard after our (laughs) after our continued slander of Italian Americans in the Chicago live show. Unless you're pure Pasolini. And then it's just like the horniest, thirstiest thing you've ever heard in your entire life. Yeah, 100%. Pasolini made this from Beyond the Grave. That dude could get well, I mean, you know, like what like no one has to Like he could get it. That dude could fucking get it. It was crazy. Yeah. And he he was also like five six, so he's perfect for me. He's just like my Short like Kings my lost I uh, mean, come on. <laughs> and now like, I feel so much cooler because I'm also five six. I'm like, yeah. Me and Pasolini are the same. Bam. See? Bam. Yeah. Meant to be. Meant to be. Well, let's make a podcast. Let's shall make we? a podcast, lads. Ash, make- are, you re- are you ready to go? <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving, all right. Moving, I've, got a, I've, got, I've got a fun lead in for us, Ash, before we introduce all of our guests, okay? Okay, cool. Is everybody recording? Just just making sure? Yeah. Yes. Do you need to do the clappy thing? Yes. Yes. All right. Okay. Um, on the count of three, let's all do a nice, happy little clap. One, two, three. I, that, actually, that was not bad. Beautiful. That was that was Beautiful. that was good. That was that was so good. Um, hello, hello, HV listeners. Uh, exciting news this week. Um, for longtime listeners, you will have been aware that if you listen right to the end of each episode, that periodically there will be what we call the HV post-credit scene. Uh, and this is where <laughs> this is where me or Ash will appear in the world of another podcaster. Um, and just just this year. Uh, just this year, for for Pride Month, me and Ash decided that we're putting together a team, uh, a team with very <laughs> with very particular skills, and so uh, I I would like to I would like to formally welcome you uh, to the Gay Avenging Podcasters 
first episode. Uh, I am I am I am John, the liquid guy, joined as ever by my good friend Ash. And as you can probably tell, we have some uh, some of Earth's mightiest podcasters in the HV Crypt. Uh, uh, just sound off, basically. Who who is here? The homosexuals are here. <laughs> <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt, this is the gayest podcast. Alphabetical, yeah. Let's go. Let's go alphabetically because we're very uh, neat in particular. Yes. Um, So my name is Jay. I am one of the three co-hosts of the Library Punk podcast, which has gotten a few lovely little shout-outs on this program. Uh, You can find us on Twitter if it still exists by the time you listen to this uh, at Library Punk, (laughs) and also we have the best podcast URL in existence, which is LibraryPunk.gay. Yeah, Next. It. <laughs> hey, it's uh, I'm John Levitt, uh, internet gadfly, and I'm wearing leather and spandex entirely incidentally. It's not related to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how we know your credentials are valid. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's Kyle, uh, labor Kyle on things. But if you're, a, if you're in Horror Vanguard, you already know who it is. You already uh, know what's up. <laughs> and we, we have, we have asa- a- assembled the gayest possible podcast to um to discuss in this in this sorry i was very- giving us a round of applause i'm sorry in this the very no, we best deserve month it. Of the we deserve year. it in in pride month we are talking about uh, frankly an iconic piece of the culture which um doesn't get enough credit um and i am so excited i am so excited for what i get to do now uh, as i invite um ash and jay and john and kyle to explain to you, to me, to everybody else listening, what 2006 Poltergay is all about. Queer history is the history not of ghosts, but of poltergeists. Not just the restless dead, but spirits defined by the generation of disturbances. The dance of our history has been made to be artificially still, free of disturbance. We are in desperate need of gay poltergeists. From the Nazi Party destruction of the Institute of Sexology, to the British government punishing homosexuality with chemical castration, to the American government perpetuating a genocide through the deliberate mishandling of the AIDS crisis, we have no shortage of ghosts who demand a disruption of this oppressive status quo. There are countless historic, substantive rifts in queer memory. Yet, for each rift, we have the opportunity to commune with one of these poltergeists, individual or as a collective haunting. Poltergeists can't speak. They hurl glasses and shutter lights, a phantom language for those lost in time. We, however, are still here. We are the not yet dead, the becoming haunting, the proto-poltergeist. We can yet tell our stories. And we need to tell our stories. It doesn't matter what story it is, how we tell it, or who hears. As long as it is ours and it is shared, that is enough. Today we gather for a gay ghost story, but before our evening's entertainment, gather round the fire and hear some tales from a few queer ghosts. Listen well, as these stories may be your own. Take it away, Jay. I used to always joke that I was a gay man trapped in a lesbian's body. I wasn't good at being a dyke, you know, the the culture, the affect, the whole being a woman thing. Sure, I watched Personal Best, and But I'm a Cheerleader, and I read Bebo Brinker and Price of Salt, and I admit, I even still use a carabiner clip for my keys. 
but I also used to watch Velvet Goldmine. And when I would see you and McGregor as Kurt Wilde pouring glitter onto his oiled chest, I would sit there and think, why is that not me? Some people theorize transsexuality as being, quote, born in the wrong body. Indeed, homosexuality used to be viewed the same way. I wasn't a lesbian. I was just a man's soul in a woman's body, enacting those desires in a perfectly acceptable heterosexual way. Pity me, for I was but born this way. Except that instead of being a taxonomical invert, I was a pervert. The way my sexuality is embodied still isn't correct even after I transition. I wasn't a man's soul in a woman's body. My body was a haunted house, and its ghostly tenants had a taste for disco. And isn't that what being gay is? Haunted by a lineage of all those who came before us and will come after. Being possessed by signifieds and performing signifiers until our lives become a flamboyant sign. Am I a gay man because I'm a man attracted to other men? Technically, I suppose. But there are plenty of men who have these desires who aren't gay. Plenty of people who have similar feelings about their gender who aren't trans. I'm gay because I begged my parents for a life-size Barbie and then stole her clothes, never playing with her again. I'm gay because I used to dance to corny disco songs alone in my room in middle school. I'm gay because I began my valedictorian's address with an Oscar Wilde quote, insulting all of my classmates. I'm gay because of connection, because of material relationships with other people and the culture we build together. I'm gay because that's how I choose to situate and understand my desires, to incorrectly perform my gender no matter the shape it takes. I didn't exercise the, day, the gay disco ghosts who possessed my body. I became them. And what's gayer than that? No fucking <laughs> Fire. Let's go. Come on. A specter is haunting Europe. The specter <laughs> of disco. Amen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> disco as an art form is it essentially queer and essentially marginalized. It is the art form of class tumult. Because as Edmund White said in States of Desire, gay desire is some, will cross class boundaries in the pursuit of sex. So what is disco but a form of radical solidarity? As they said, as they marched in the streets in France in 68, under the streets, the disco. Okay. I want to start with a, a, a quote from John Ritchie's uh, City of Night. Um, in the very beginning of City of Night, uh, John Ritchie described, uh, he, he says, Later I would think of America as one vast city of night, stretching gaudily from Times Square to Hollywood Boulevard. Jukebox, winking, rock and roll, moaning. America at night fusing its dark cities into the unmistakable shape of loneliness. The city's apathy toward you in its default position, um, the city's apathy toward the city's apathy toward you is its default position. And to be gay is to be lonely and to be marginal. Yes, this is true. And yet, it's Reshi who offers the necessary disruption of this particular social cohesion. Many of us have likely sought or still look for in the cracks, in the pavement, the egress between the city's own skyline above our heads or beneath our feet 
from within and from without ourselves simultaneously, in the same limits inscribed in the world around us in runes that try and lock us away forever, inside jails, inside of closets, and inside of our own hearts. How these limits are articulated in the most profoundly social way, but cut directly through to the layers of soul and spirit of desire and subjectivity and take on a spiritual limit. The cruelest irony and most significant set of paradoxes overcome constantly by the marginal and by the queer. As he wrote in his new introduction for The City of Light, I think in the first paperback edition, the novel began as a letter originally, following a very raucous trip to New Orleans. Uh, the letter begins like this. Do you realize that a year ago in December, I left New York and came to El Paso and went to Los Angeles in Pershing Square and then went to San Diego and La Hoya in the sun and returned to Los Angeles and went to Laguna Beach to a bar on the sand in San Francisco and came back to Los Angeles and went back to the Orange Gate and returned to Los Angeles in Pershing Square and went to El Paso and stopped in Phoenix one night and went back to Pershing Square and on to San Francisco again in Monterey and the shadow of James Dean because of the movie in Carmel because there's a house like a bird and back to Los Angeles and on to El Paso where I was born then Dallas with culture and Houston with a million population and on to New Orleans where the world collapsed and back now to El Paso grasping for God knows what. Um, the other thing that I wrote um, was uh, Poltergeist. I hardly know her Geist. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear. That was uh, everyone. I, everyone, all ghosts assembled. That was beautiful. Thank you for writing what I am confident in saying is the best introduction to an episode we have ever done. Yeah, wow. uh, yeah, it's uh, that was that was incredible. Thank you, all of you, and for something for something so 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 beautiful and moving and smart. I am so glad that all of those words prefix a conversation about <laughs> and a very broad French comedy horror film about seventies disco. I am so excited for the rest of this episode. <laughs> I, I love how we all had an extreme reaction to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> an, an objectively silly French movie that, that never got an English translate release. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I loved this movie. This movie was... As, as I was saying before we started recording, I, I was the first one of us to screen it, and I was initially... With a title like Poltergay coming out in the late 2000s, I was a little apprehensive about what I was about to get into, but almost almost immediately, it was this is just the gayest, most joyous ghost movie I've ever seen. It's so full of love, even when it's like making fun of its subjects. And uh, as I said before we started recording, I just I was a little hesitant at first obviously because of the title and the subject matter but within the first 10 minutes when you start having like camera pov shots from the cat and like <laughs> and like these giant boom sweeps it's like oh okay someone has really liked sam raimi yeah it's fine <laughs> you like uh, i mean i'm in a safe i'm in a safe pair of hands right it's yeah. like uh i can i can relax a little bit this is going to be fine this is going to be fine 
Um, yeah. In that we- era, it's almost universally terrible. Anytime you combine <laughs> LGBTQ issues with the word comedy, you know that you're about to be just like, like it's going to be the most, not just the most like ignorant shit you've ever seen in your entire life, but also not funny at all. And this mm. movie was very funny. And that's the, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's what, like, I think that's where its heart is, like, is in the fact that, like, it was able to be so, like, interesting and generous and also funny in 2006 when that was like, we were just, like, at the kind of coming moderately close to transitioning out of the, like, the, 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 the constant need to have a queer character in your movie to constantly laugh at when it came to comedies like we don't make comedies anymore right like comedies don't really there's, there's like, just not really um but at the time the sort of like comedy film it one of its incredible bedrocks was making fun of uh uh people in a way that is uninteresting uncritical and just purely just like like you know, like the the politics of gross out humor, I think, fully encapsulated in its like the comedy film of the aughts inability to see any kind of a queer person as f- like funny and not disgusting. Mm. Um, so it's remarkable what like like it's really a big fucking deal when you think about it that like the idea that like you can make a movie like this and it actually be good, you know. Well, I think oh, we abs- uh, absolutely. I think we need to just for the sake of the listener, what is poltergeist? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so uh, it is. It is as all good get ghost stories is. It's about property. It's about. It's about. It's about housing. Uh, we have we have Mark and we have Emma. They buy a buy a new house. Where they buy this old kind of place on the outskirts of Paris. Uh, and in the basement are the ghosts of five uh, 1970s gays uh, who, in the film's, frankly, incredible prologue, it's revealed have died uh, as the uh, basement disco in the 70s that was in this house uh, was burned to, to down to the ground because of a malfunctioning foam machine, which is just the best detail. <laughs> which that is included, just... like, them getting electrified as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, honestly, can we can we bring back the the 1970s gays? Like all of the Please. all of these all of these beautiful men have such impeccable taste in clothing. <laughs> Flawless. Oh no, oh no, it, it's amazing. I was I just said a, a while back. I was walking down the street and I heard someone actually talk in a New York City 1970s gay voice, which I'm like, oh, wow, amazing. We, we literally don't make those men anymore. I know. Right? <laughs> I just bring it back. Yeah, um, I, I think it's actually like one of the things I really liked about the movie is how they how, how the film kills our five poltergays. I I really like you know because the, the you usually when gay people die in a movie or queer people broadly like it is tragic and painful and horrific yeah. and woven into like really poorly handled social contexts. But no, like these these guys are just like high out of their minds and partying, and they like don't plug in their foam machine right, and they they die in this burst of like ecstasy and joy. 
Yeah, no, uh, in, in my notes, I, I remark, like, this feels like a carry-on camp movie, but um, good and not yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so so to, to kind of bring the, the listener up to speed, uh, Mark and Emma move into this house. Um, <laughs> this has got some of my favorite ghost logic that I've, I've ever come across. <laughs> um, uh Mark can see the uh, the the five uh, ghosts from the seventies. Uh, Emma cannot. Um, there is the, uh, honestly, this is a kind of object lesson in how to make like fro- like psychoanalytic repression incredibly funny. Yes, um, and 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 shall we say uh, hijinks ensue all round. <laughs> Because all the, the the only song that the the gay disco ghosts play is is Rasputin by Bunny M, and what, my favorite detail is that every single night the the record scratches and they complain about it and you can hear it mm-hmm. and it's like happens every single night in the same place, yeah, just uh, like going out clubbing. Yeah, exactly. There's always the same record. <laughs> yeah. yeah there- there's this sort of like trans beautiful trans historical thing of uh, gay men being unable to leave that song alone. <laughs> oh we cannot fucking stop listening to. The- yes, I need love is great. We get it. Hey. <laughs> like, I listened I was, to it like, yesterday. I was- I was thinking, like, <laughs> if this movie were an American film made in 2006, the song that they would pick, one, this would either be made by, like, really corny, annoying gay people or be made by straight people. And mm-hmm. regardless of who made it, the song they would pick would be I'm Coming Out or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it yeah, would yeah. be really boring and annoying. Yeah. But no, 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 the French were like, uh, everyone loves Rara Rasputin. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, no, I, I, I was also thinking, like, if this were American made at the same time, it would be like annoyingly earnest at best yeah. mm-hmm. and it would yeah, be like oh everybody best. hugs yes. and supports and like there's like one scene of that oh, in the yeah. movie but most of it is making fun of uh the fact that mark has like a lot of same-sex desire he can't uh, talk about or think about openly <laughs> and that's yeah, very try, funny basically being like no you're not one of the calling all the straight people fascists and being like so you're not <laughs> no. one of them though because clearly like you know he ain't thought about it I mean, you know, my my favorite my favorite scene in the movie is like when it does it it does the thing where he literally goes to therapy and the therapist who we're getting to co-host on Horror Vanguard goes uh huh so it seems there's some symbolism here that we might <laughs> <laughs> sitting behind him in those classic like yeah. nineteen in the Freudian sense it's it's so good and then it's the like, only notes he takes is pide. <laughs> Which is a slur. <laughs> Which is a slur, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's like the only term that they use for the gay men in this movie, by the way, right. is, is payday. Right. They rarely they rarely ever say gay or anything else. Right. Although it's also interesting how um, Mark kind of goes with it. Like he goes yeah. like to a gay bar to pick someone up in a full suit, yeah. something I he never did. He comes out to his family at the dinner table. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, the dinner yes. table scene. Yes. Nona. I love that scene so much. The old woman, uh, the, the mom or the grandma. Talking could, about could Leslie out. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, just, just her Nona just like, being like, oh, it's totally normal. Let me tell you this like insanely slutty lesbian story I have. It was just, <laughs> yeah. oh, we saw so the family dinner table. Yeah. Uh, and it's also like it, it fits within like like French stereotypes of Italians as all being like insanely over sex and one beer yeah. away from <laughs> screwing each other. <laughs> Although in fairness, John, it reminded me of something that you were talking about on Twitter where you were talking about like how uh, in the kind of current 
vir- era of like virulent transphobia. You talk to people from like the the silent generation; they're just like being anti-trans is just deeply weird. Makes oh yeah, you- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's like uh, you come out to your nana, and nana's like. Oh yeah, obviously it's fine. What have some have well, some I more tiramisu? One time. He wanted he wanted me to call her Sally, so I called her Sally, and everyone knew her as Sally. And it's just this like very like you know mid century um, quaintness that I think we're missing. Yeah, God and bless. you know just just have more tiramisu. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you didn't no leftovers. Not as What's tiramisu. Most, here's Don't the most important thing. Yeah, the most important thing about all of this is no leftovers. Are you kidding me? Like, also, also, let me tell you about my really hot neighbor. <laughs> Sign me up. It was perfect. I, I did like the like. There's this. There's this. There's this social ten. The social tension in the film is constantly bumping up against this kind of like the the funny mundane aspects of like being a gay person. The stuff that's so worthy of being made fun of, like you know, like the culture culture as this like you know ultimately synthetic construction that like we can put like that I, like I mean such an important part of gay culture is making fun of gay culture yes. there's nothing more central to like us making fun of ourselves and one another that like has this like it's this interesting way of cohering around the like the quote unquote negative that is like at at its at its core, honestly, at the at the center of what I was, you know, trying to talk about in our, you know, sort of group pricey, which was still the most like su- somehow simultaneously the most beautiful and also the gayest thing that's ever happened on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> which is which is perfect. See, it, it, it's perfect in this yeah. in this like you know in the ability to like when, when you're boxed into a community. The self-reflection on that community on that community can pose as its own sort of like it has its own sort of like strengthening quality. I'm trying to be a little less rambly um, as I usually am on this exact podcast. <laughs> oh, if there was ever a place where you were free to ramble, it is here. Uh, yeah, it's like each of the gay guessed. disco ghosts is like kind of a stereotype, but you can tell that the stereotype is like it. I don't. I, I tried seeing if the director or writer of this were gay by like looking at other things that mm-hmm. they made and mm-hmm. seeing if they were gay, and I couldn't. I couldn't tell one way or the other. But regardless, either it was gay people who wrote these characters as like an in joke ribbing thing. Cause I, they were hilarious, but like not mean, or it was like a straight person who knew what was up. Uh, so but, self-aware. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like I love it when they're just like all like they've got their little choreographed dance. Um, they like, you know, they, they shout les gendarmes when he's threatening to call the police on them. And they like, <laughs> kind of like clap about it and like cheer about it. Um, like each of them, you have like kind of like the like you know like an, you know anti fascist leather daddy Michelle, who's everyone's favorite, I think. <laughs> yeah, because um, the line heterosexuality is a bourgeois scam, and you know what? He's right. He's he's absolutely right. <laughs> he should um, he, he should say it, and he's right to say it. <laughs> exactly. We've got the like guy, like the maybe like older man who's got like a younger man who like is bi at best. Um, cause he keeps talking about like wanting to be with women. You've got the guy who's like, oh, he's not gay. He just likes to come here to dance, you know? Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, 
And can we can we talk can we talk about the ghost logic at work in yes. this and about yes. why certain people can see the ghosts and mm-hmm. why certain people cannot? I have so I feel many like opinions we need about to, this. We need to <laughs> dig into this. No, and, and and digging things up is a whole part of the movies because like as an archaeologist who keeps uncovering like yep. gay mosaics in Pompeii. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, and, liber- the, the liberatory past all made me so happy. The liberatory past, but it's like what a way to use this ghost logic to accurately frame and depict um, sexual repression because yes. it's not that you can only see the ghosts if you're gay. You can only see the ghosts if you have same-sex desire and have never acted on it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the thing that's, like, keeping them trapped in the house is that there was some, like, Knights Templar shit that happened <laughs> here <laughs> and, like, famously yeah. the Knights Templar either, like, were a bunch of sodomites or they, like, had sodomy, um, like, weaponized against them um as a charge in order to shut them down um but regardless there's like some some gay nonsense happening with the knights templar if you like go back and look um and so i thought that was an interesting choice it's like why the knights templar oh it's because they had same-sex desire like thrown against them as a way to like um eliminate them basically and that in and of itself is is then what is trapping these gay ghosts uh in this house and then they can't leave it and go elsewhere it's such it's such gay french nonsense it's It's amazing (laughs) like the metaphor they use is like well as you know uh casanova's ghost could only appear to virgins like yes of course we all know that yeah, everybody knows that about everybody Casanova's ghost. Yeah, and so it's like, and and one of the reasons that they say that that the the ghosts can only are only um, visible to people who have these desires, but have never acted on them, or just have never been made impure by touching a man's genitals, um, is they bring in. Uh, pederasty and these like same sex desires that then you know Emma the wife is like going and researching and digging up in Pompeii literally finding mosaics of uh, butt fucking she says <laughs> she just comes right out and says like oh yeah this is obviously butt fucking um, and so it's like yeah what what is more attractive than the virgin um, and, and so like and we get this like the exorcist like you know some sort of like John Carpenter you know um priest professor guy to come like explain all of this to us uh, who's also obsessed with mcdonald's <laughs> and i looked it up oh and yeah he, he voiced um uh um vito corleone in the french dub of the godfather uh, amazing oh, yeah amazing. <laughs> yeah i gotta i gotta sh- give a shout out to um a one I have two. I kept saying that's my favorite character. That's my favorite character. That's my favorite character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I couldn't stop, and I'm like, "Fuck, shit! I gotta watch this again because, like, I like every time that man would go to McDonald's, McDo, as they call it in France. Um, every time, like, I'm, I'm, it was. I'm almost trying to theorize around it, but really, I just like McDonald's, and I've related to that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's probably something there, but at the end of the day, I was just like, ooh, 
I like that. That That's BBQ funny. sauce is good. It was a funny, a funny fucking it's a, joke. It's a, like, it's a good what? bit. It's a good yeah, bit. Yeah, that was funny. And they kept it. They realized that it was good, and they kept it going. Like when so he was like, like on the phone backs. in the drive-through as like yeah. the no. ladies like trying to help him. So fucking funny. Like, come on, that rule. And every time he shows up at the house, it's like door open. You get a little bit of a dolly zoom with like yeah. lightning behind him almost. Like, and he's just there with his McFlurry. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> right. As this like spiritual figure, like come on, like uh, like at the end of the day, like it's really like the best horror stories about are about haunted houses or about property, right? And the best sort of like imagination for the quote unquote spiritual realm or like the uh, um, the transcendent, if you will. Um, is always in the social. So McDonald's has to fucking be there, in my opinion. There's my theorizing about it. It's like this <laughs> movie would actually be worse without McDonald's in it. Oh, Considering yeah. everything that it's trying to tell us. I don't like. Yeah, that's correct. There. And I, print, the, the McDonald's thing, it works. It works so well because our, our exorcist can also see the gay ghosts. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. He, he's got he's got the uh, unacted upon uh, kind of internalized queer desires that he doesn't know what to do with. And like all of the all of the men in this movie who have the kind of like, in, like either some kind of internalized homophobia or unaddressed gay desire, like they all sublimate it into some like weird like thing as as people who are closeted often yeah. do, and like our exorcist su- sublimates that into like his fetishistic like queer McDonald's desire, <laughs> which I love because he's turning like the straightest imaginable thing, which is like getting McDonald's barbecue sauce into the gayest possible thing. <laughs> Like, we don't see him eating a hamburger like a man. Mm-hmm. We see him with his little spoon eating his McFlurry, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and no, he doesn't, he doesn't want it if he doesn't have the right sauce. It's got to be the BBQ <sighs> sauce. Otherwise, yeah. the whole meal is ruined. Gotta be this is my culture. Which I is feel not like, something like, I've ever this said. Is, this is like, no, this is, this is my, this, this is everything. This is everything. I'm sorry. Like the drive through like I'm the most American gay man, I think probably <laughs> in the world. I always this is have true, been. Yeah. To where like I have the I have all the cultured, like this the sort of like cultured aspects of the 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 sort of the shared identity of all of our sort of head spaces, you know. I went to college, I studied the classics, um, you know, like I've s I, I, I know who Gus Van Zant is. But at the same time, like 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 I like like I want sweet and sour sauce in my F one fifty. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's got this like it's per it's. I feel very seen. <laughs> and then he flirts with the Pompeii ghosts at the end by talking about how big his dick is. Yeah. Right? Like, like, oh my Santa god. King. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a good movie. It's a good you know it, like that's our half. That's our touchdown point. A reminder that this is such a good movie that people should watch. It's really cheap to... It's like $2. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really cheap to rent is one thing. I think that's actually legitimately good to point out. It's so cheap. Uh, one, of my, one of the moments that we have not talked about yet, and I feel like I have to bring up, is the incredible physical comedy bit of Mark beating the shit out of his father-in-law. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, yes. whoa, talk about... Talk, like, like, it's... it's there's so much here about like the kind of like anxiety of like heterosexual or heteronormative mm-hmm. monogamy and like yeah. the ownership of property and like marriage is a contract with economic ends and the accumulation of capital. But no, it's just it's just him beating the shit out of this old guy with like a shovel. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> right, because like early, earlier in the film, when um, they first get into the house, um, Emma calls him upstairs and starts like making moves on him because she's like, hey, this bedroom is right next to ours. There's lots of lights mm-hmm. in it. You know, that'd be good for it. He's like, home cinema, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, you're not interested in this. Yeah, like, do I want to bang my super hot wife? I don't shit. think so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Which, we... I mean, like, I love. I love all of the weird, like, queer coding that they're doing with with our protagonist here. Like, he knew he's got like all of these M babes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, oh my he god. Knows he knew the disco M song. <laughs> he's the perfect example of like I've hooked up with that guy so many times. <laughs> I just can't like and like and I know I most of those guys I like I don't have contact with them or whatever, but I know those guys are just like. Yeah, buy pride, baby. Just like, cause it's 2023, and I can sense, you know, you, the the sense. I have the sense that they've reached the point. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's it's hope. You know, it's a philosophy of hope, if you will, um, that they've reached the point where they are able to acknowledge and recognize the experience that we had with one another. And the thing that I know that, like, you know, I, you know, it's just like at the end of the day, it's so perfectly gay. That this movie that is that literally has the word gay in the title mm. is really about bisexuality at the end of the day, right? <laughs> and the, well, and yeah, using gay in the old sense that kind of covers everything. Yeah, just or yeah, exact precisely like as queer as we use it now. This mm-hmm. just like you know this like you know load it off. You know, there's something about that one. Well, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, and, like, and good. Exactly and good. To quote my friend Kyle, I feel very seen right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what, like, yeah, come on, say, baby. Like, oh, that's that doesn't sound up. like anybody I yeah, know. Yeah, like, the anxieties around um, any sort of, like, same-sex desire that um, Mark, our protagonist, has, I think is, like, so perfectly brought into this sort of, like, horror space when mm. he goes to the gay bar and this like really hot kind of like leather guy um, who loves straight bait, yep. um, yeah. like, you know, tries to hook up with them and like Mark knows this and like goes along with them and then they're driving and they parks like and the guy starts getting like real turned on learning that Mark does construction um, mm-hmm. and then they get into With this really like orientalized yep. like <laughs> speak Turkish to me fantasy that was going on yes. but when the guy um, you know whips his dick out which we do not see sadly but um, Mark like sees it and it's like the camera point of view is from the dick uh, like it's like looking <laughs> up at Mark and he kind of has this like shock and awe on his face like it's unreal <laughs> and like yes, you can't tell if he's like horrified like oh my god <laughs> i am now facing another like another man's genitals oh no i don't like this or what's happening or oh like there's this like this like right. horrified arousal that's happening and then the cops is, show up which i think the name of the club yeah. was ambiguity it, it was, was. It was. <laughs> we haven't talked about that yet <laughs> oh, oh my god, god like that this movie has live dick reactions, yeah. So good. Yes! And weirdly, like, that is so important for how we, like, theorize the queerness in this film, because throughout that whole sequence, Mark is, like, just riddled with all of the anxieties that that a man would have before their first gay encounter, right? Like, what am I doing? Is it right? Like, blah, 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 all that stuff. And and the second, like, like that look in his eye when he sees what what we are told and not shown. Thank you, us. Thank you, CIA School of Writing. Uh, <laughs> is is a fans. very impressive dick. 
Uh, his his eyes, you, when you look into Mark's eyes in that scene, like, there's a little bit of, there's some conflicted emotions, sure, but it's like, it's like Christmas, you know, like there's some joy inside of him. A clear path of action for a brief moment, and then the fucking cops take it away. He, like, hoomsed amongst us, am I right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, one of the things I, I really like about um, the characterization of Mark is he's, like, initially upset that he's being, like, seen as a sexual object by these ghosts. Like, they take pictures of his ass in the shower, and mm-hmm. he's not into it. But he's also, like, he's not hostile to the idea. It's just very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he kind of immediately decides to, like, pursue it to its end. It's very funny to me. <laughs> yeah, like, he's you're, chill. You're, oh, you mean I'm hot? Oh, you're, you're, oh, I should probably try having sex with a man. Just, I mean. <laughs> my therapist be, said so. I, it, so I guess th- I got it. Yeah, my therapist I mean, well, said so. It would be rude if I didn't. Like, yeah, no, it, it, it's like, uh, I forget where it's from. I think it's a Gore Vidal line. It was like, no, he's not gay. He just likes attention. <laughs> Gore would say that. <laughs> Mark Mark is a masterclass in depicting a power bottom that's coming to an important realization in their life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, literally, anytime we see him having sex, he's on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yep, like yep. his and, wife is always on top when he's having sex. Um and and in, in yeah. the end, when he's finally on top, what what what's what's kind of happening around him? Is there maybe five older gay men cheering him on? Is that maybe <laughs> yep. related to that? I, I'm not that a doctor. I don't know. In the movie, <laughs> he's being a very good boy. You know, it's a good. Yes. It's a good fucking movie. I'm just gonna keep <laughs> saying that over and over and over again. So they depict like, him man, topping from the bottom. This is ninth dimensional gay science we're witnessing. It's, ama- it's amazing. It's so progressive. 2006. <laughs> 2006. I'm, I'm like, a return guy, but for this movie. <laughs> it's like, the reason I am able to like endure the ghost eye for the possibly bi guy scene where the ghosts all like create the perfect date night between him and his wife is that it ends with all of them cheering on him having sex. Yes. <laughs> it what like how do how do you stick that fucking landing and not know what you're doing? Like this right. it's just like, you know, they knew exactly what they were doing, and it was perfect. They stuck the landing like crazy. Flawless, flawless movie. Oh, God. <laughs> so do we, I, want to, do we want to talk about disco for a second here? I always want to talk about disco. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Who doesn't? One of, my, one of my favorite bits of symbology in this movie is when Mark first goes down into the basement. Uh, one of one of like it's one of my favorite shots in, in the movie is that the camera is kind of like way back in the rubble, and the thing that we see really dominantly in the lower right third of the screen is this kind of charred disco ball. Yes, and like I just love that as like the lingering ghost of queer history, like just just sitting there, just waiting to like erupt in all of its like appropriately sparkly joy. Like disco's not dead; it's just haunting right. everyone and refuses mm-hmm. to go away because you can't really kill it. You can't really get rid of it like people tried though I yeah mean, go, like, no, oh yeah like god damn like this is the, this is the incredible thing about disco which is like uh it's 
it's it's like it's the sound of the future right the, the yeah. this is that that's what it was that's what it was in the 70s mm-hmm. after like rock. always has been exactly goddamn right yep. like the future has always already been arriving and it's or always already been arriving off the back of like shaka khan like mm-hmm. i mean and that's well, what this I, movie is about it's about like connection through time like there is no past there is no future it's like all kind of happening at once and like there's like yeah. this through line that then is like revealed to everyone right there's this uh album that like album that keeps coming up uh a mm-hmm. final album cover which has like a man in a hard hat and it says 68 you know like the big sort of aborted yep. french revolution and it's just like mm-hmm. i'm joking not joking with like you know uh disco is the sound of the future disco walks around the world disco is socialism it yes. is the dream of a is it the dream of the revolution that was stopped but it's never it never happened and we have to keep making yeah. it happen well yeah the idea that 68 wasn't like like fully ended but sublimated and as mm-hmm. such and that like which is the con which is the particular context of a haunting itself which is that that which is that which was determined as completed is not actually complete but yes. remains and stays like sticks around and hangs in the air in a way that's only perceivable through a particular sense of phenomenon but the phenomenon that exists beyond our particular sense you know which is mm. just fucking horror yeah like, like it's, it's like it's deferred trauma you know yep. they they died in seven and then the sort of culmination of all that doesn't happen into 2006 when this straight couple with like some bi anxiety and not wanting to have kids and like beating up his father-in-law with a shovel like moves in (laughs) and makes this all explode all over again right absolutely disco disco never died the whole like disco is dead thing has become like this this appropriately gothic metaphysical practice that we all reproduce in order to keep disco haunted you keep disco stagnant right like I'm, I'm recording this like maybe 20 minutes from the site of disco demolition night yeah you know mm. like and and the whole the whole idea of disco being tacky or outdated or over it is it has always been so appropriately hauntingly bizarre to me that we have to keep practicing culturally the death of disco like i mean it, i mean it is I mean, so protracted uh, do a leaper's album from a couple of years ago it's called future nostalgia yep. right and it's yeah. like uh, is this is that not the kind of very definition of hauntology? <laughs> yeah, no. We're, we're, we're all- Beyonce's disco album's called Renaissance. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yep. No, we're, we're all we're all sort of trapped in this haunted disco. Um, uh, all the aborted possible futures, and I'm just like reminded of a line. I can't remember what it was. A history of uh, New York City discotheques, where they just said, "Yeah, a big cultural shift happened when." Uh, straight men started taking their girlfriends to disco, to gay discos, right. because the girls mm-hmm. wanted to dance. And suddenly they were the object of attention among other men, and some of them got into it. <laughs> so it's yeah. like the idea of the disco as this radicalizing, uh, equalizing space. It's so a space that's of solidarity. Com- yes. Yeah, baby. It's com- it's com- it's completely right. You're completely right. There's a there's two books that jump to mind about sort of the solidarity of disco or of sort of like of queer space itself. Um, on the one hand, a gay New York, which is a very famous yeah. historiography of um, gay New York. And there's another one who's written by basically the gay New York of Florida. So, of course, I have to plug it. It's called Welcome to Fairyland. It's by Julio Capo, who I think he still teaches at FIU, Florida International University in Miami. 
Um, and sh- also special particular shout outs to one of a, a, a professor at my college and grad school who curated museum work on this exact subject. But what's what most importantly, remi- like what so significantly reminds me about everything that we've been talking about, everything that everyone has so artfully said so far is like embodied in the introduction to Mark Fisher's uh uh, never finished book acid communism where he's talking about the basically the core of an idea of of a revival of affinity and acceptance but of this like taken into consideration um considering the 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 line of flight the 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 desire for escape or something else um he talks about the uh the song the song psychedelic shack by the temptations mm-hmm. um and just the summer to some like it's this idea that like the psychedelic shack is something that you can imagine in a place that you could see being um disco serves this exact same quality like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Th- this idea that you can imagine a space where you belong and, and you're accepted um to take it back to again our masterful precy to this episode that i'm going to think about for the rest of my fucking life um <laughs> this I- this idea that like like subjectivity is articulated in this particular sense that can be sort of like you can pursue the margins of this particular understanding of the way the world works if we believe that it is so profoundly social that it exists within the social and it always has you know you know, fucking astronaut meme always has it's always been gay man like like the, these you know like this like the empty nostalgia of contemporaneity that's like that's like all about like speakeasies and hidden like things you pull oh, a thing God, a book in a those. wall or i mean well, yeah ex- <laughs> and it's because we did it already bitch like we like we did it already and it was just being gay like <laughs> we have we've always had to make our own space we've always had to sort of define ourselves from within and without ourselves because of that particular social definition that everyone on this podcast has been talking about today it's so significant to be able to imagine a place in which like i need love Right? Like this, like this, I love to love you. <laughs> like there's a reason why disco, like, like, like why ga- gays and disco, I'm make, I'm bringing my fingers together. Like I'm clasping my hands together. <laughs> it's a podcast, but like, there's a reason why. And it's like, not, it's not just, it's not just because of his historicity. I really believe this. It's because of this like transcendent quality of social space. And how we're able to construct places in which the rest of the world disappears. And just as Jay was talking about, futurity and historicity collapse into the present. And all of a sudden, the future is opened up again. The future is never in and of itself the future, but is also of the present and the past. And the idea that you can collapse all of those into one moment it's very existential, which I know is really retro, but like, fuck it. It's a, it's a movie about, you know, <laughs> gay disco ghosts. Gay, it's going to be retro. 70 gay disco ghosts. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, like that, that moment of transcendence is so fully and completely mediated by capitalism in our contemporary moment. Like it's all like live nation brings you disco, right? Like, and it's yeah. just like, fuck that. Fuck that. When we have so much, we have so much 
already here among ourselves you know like like that we can give rise to so much just from ourselves history shows us that i don't know i'm done i mean to quote uh to quote um mfsb love is the message right (laughs) the international disco will unite the human race yes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, where are we? We are at about fifty minutes or so. So, do we want? What do we want to talk about? What's <laughs> anything else that is like burning within you to be expressed? Uh, this I, entire I just, movie. This entire movie. Yeah, like it's yeah. always difficult to talk about a good movie because you're just like it's good. Yes, watch it's it. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I was interested in about how. Okay, this is a haunted house movie. And just thinking about how many haunted house stories are uh, queer in ways, because yeah. you know Oscar Wilde's very first published fiction was *The Canterville Ghost*, yeah. which is about like what happens when your daughter is too goth. Which mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> which the, the answer is that they become a man later. I'll answer that for you. John. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, hi. <laughs> Uh, like the best adaptation of the Canterville Ghost is Beetlejuice. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like what I find so fascinating about this as a haunted house film is like, despite having an exorcist in it, our ghosts are not exorcised. We don't force right. them out. The couple just has to uh, change their space to mm-hmm. fit the the gay ghosts in the basement, not the other way around. That is so yeah. radical to me that they're just like, oh, well, I guess we have to make a, a little gay little nightclub in our basement now if we're going to have these ghosts that we don't, you know, can't get rid of and like won't get rid of. Because like they could just throw the stones out and get them out of the house and then let it turn one fifty five a.m. And then it sends them to like purgatory hell or something like almost happened to them. But no, it's like this is their home first. We have to adapt to them. And I was like what the fuck like that's the, all straight people this is your blueprint like <laughs> yeah. how to be an ally well the the movie kind of ends like like 1980s east germany going okay we get it homosexuals are an oppressed class historically we're going to build some state run gay bars for you I'm like good, yeah. Good, good, yeah okay yeah. Yeah, it's like this film Literally. asks, like it poses the kind of jokingly, but not jokingly. Every everyone's either gay or fascist, and this couple has decided which side of that they are on. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Which and, side and are the, you the, on, boy? Which side are you? I mean, exactly. <laughs> like, I was gonna. I'm just like, we gotta talk about the ending, but that's the ending. Like, it's like, which yes. side are you on? Are you gay and, or like, you fascist? You, are you gay or are you fascist? You can see how comfortable, how, how fine it is. How not just fine it is, but how good it could be. It's like their relationship is saved. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's nothing, it's nothing. I was just going to say the ending is so like multifaceted too. It's nothing so flat as like, oh, Mark, Mark comes out of the closet and amicably leaves his wife and they have a big gay party or something. It's like, no, like their relationship is better than ever. And like Everyone now we've can created see a space. The ghosts. Yes, <laughs> and now we've created a space where like all of these gay ghosts from the past, right, who lost something, who missed something, who had broken connections, can party, and all of the Forever. kind of like gay, the gay future, futurity of like Mark and all of these other like men with unexpressed desires 
can gather in this place and kind of like safely feel out that space without any like pressure or anxiety. Like th- this is the most utopian ending to a ghost movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Welcome Literally to the gay the ghost utopian disco. At the end. Yes. Yes. Like listeners, we are not exaggerating <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, despite the tone of my voice, we are all being very sincere. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's kind of weird how sincerely sweet and yeah. wonderful it is. Like, I'm like, it's real. Like, yeah, we're not. No one's lying. No one's being ironic. Yeah, like one no. of the gay ghosts even like gets to like defy all laws of like God and man to be reunited with his like still living former lover. Yeah, like like that was honestly a two jerking like moment. across death, like death is defeated <laughs> by the power of like love and disco. Is that not the way to get the straights? I mean, come on, right? Like, <laughs> like because I totally get that, and I'm like, ooh, we could use this. <laughs> like, yeah, this what this if- incredibly broad nineteen, uh, you know, two thousand six <laughs> French comedy is is gonna be like the next. The next way of pushing forward gay rights. <laughs> Look, under the light of the disco ball, we are all equals. And yes. all deserving yes. Unironically. Because yes. <laughs> a good movie. It is hard <laughs> to talk about a good it. movie. So good, You're though. right. It is. It's, it's hard to weave theory that's better than the text that this film already gives us. This there's yeah. Oh, this is perfection. We're, we're shining a disco ball right now. But yeah, that's all we can do. That's all we can do, right? Yeah. There's there, there's nothing there's nothing additional that we can kind of like add into intra the text that isn't already. You can there. reach out. You can reach out to the creators of Poltergay and get them on Horror Vanguard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they would come on. They would come on. Yeah. I have no doubt. <laughs> this this film also gets a bunch of bonus points for showing how useless the cops are. And how good firefighters yeah, are. True. The, and how good the, firefighters are, yeah. Yeah, the iron law of Horror Vanguard continues, which is that uh, cops in a horror movie um, it can't do anything. They, <laughs> they literally can't do anything. Mm-hmm. They, they expressly make the cops useless by having them, like, constantly the, the same dopey pair show up and go, like, <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> This is cops. Like, the, like these, the, the, like the, this is what gay people think of the police. Yes. Um... For the like, for the record, mm-hmm. like, les gendarmes. Like, um, that's right, <laughs> les gendarmes, les gendarmes, les gendarmes, les gendarmes. <laughs> yeah, chanting, <laughs> virulent chanting. I do, I do also love that the first time uh, Mark calls the police, it's because they very helpfully built him a wardrobe. <laughs> yes. they literally, they literally built him a closet that he is terrified <laughs> of. <laughs> Here, you need this. <laughs> now you can do with this whatever you want. <laughs> Like, he didn't oh, do clearly. it with the, like, Polaroid taking a picture of his naked ass. He didn't do it with the, like, no. flying cock symbol that is all over, like, that Michelle <laughs> King like, his, puts on, on everything. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, right. No, oh, God. Gets a closet built for him. Literally built a closet for him. There's no subtext in this movie, which is good, because no. I hate subtext. No. Only yeah, no, text. No, no. I know writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all t- if this if there's one thing definitive that we can absolutely say about this movie, we can say a lot of things. But if there's the first and foremost is that there's it's just text. Just just watch it. Just watch it. <laughs> like <laughs> 
There's going to be a weird revival of Poltergeist, and Good. the creators are not going to know who did it unless Horror Vanguard gets them on the pod. Sorry to bring, <laughs> keep bringing it back to this point. But. So uh, someone, yeah. someone get us their contact information. Yeah, to, to, to the seven people in France who listen to this podcast, you know what you need to do now. <laughs> uh, Eric, this is your Eric mission Levine. should you choose to accept it. You are getting your orders from the home intern. To do this, <laughs> Eric, Eric Levine and Hector Reyes need to call us immediately. <laughs> oh, oh, we are beautiful, un- unbelievably. We are we are at about fifty eight minutes or so. Any final thoughts from this the the gayest podcast that has ever been done? Is this the shortest <laughs> episode that Kyle's been on? <laughs> Uh, very possibly, yes. <laughs> this movie's just so good that we're like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Go watch it. Uh, my, brilliant, my brilliant thought. analysis from all of you poltergays. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, my, my only final thought is I good casting on Mark, and then casting someone who kind of looks like they may be a minor Tom of Finland character. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ooh. Yes. I mean, like an uninspect who runs up on something, you know, like. He has a great, like, uh, deer wandering into a situation face. <laughs> Which is what you need. It's, it's so, like, it's perfect. It's, it's a, it's a, like, it's a thing that gay porn tries to synthesize, like, into, like, one particular essence, but that you just, like, it's really a human quality. Yeah, the guy who plays Mark is hot. That was actually going to be my thought. And that he's in he's in a washcloth of like, oh, yeah, portion yeah. of the movie. Um, we know who and, this was made for. Yeah, exactly. Like literally for me, as the gay man who is hooked up with more straight men than quote unquote straight men than you can imagine, listener. Um, not to not to be weird about it. Uh, but I have a, uh, I have a whisper, so to speak, um, <laughs> that I had, but in, this is in my pre-married life, of course. Um, but I, I had a whisper. You're off um, the market now. That's right. I'm off the, unfortunately. However, <laughs> I am, uh, I am open and affirming, uh, in talking about how the guy in this movie's hot. Yeah. Read City of Night. Mm. Um, that's my, uh, that's my plug for the end of Poltergeist. Uh, Jane John, what about you? Um, I would say that like it'd be interesting to do a um, a reading of this film that complicates the genders of all of the characters um, mm. in the way that like gayness like used to be kind of the same as transness, like like a like really take it back and be retro because there's a scene where Mark is laying on the bed with a cat on his lap and he's stroking it. Um, and I was like, oh, right. He's having a pussy situated over where his genitals are. Um, this is interesting. Um, and then he's always on bottom during any sexual scenes um and his wife is always on top and like she's the one out with like like he gets fired from his like active masculine job and she is like out doing like archaeological archaeological stuff and like digging around in the dirt and finding butt fucking mosaics and stuff Mm -hmm. um plus like one of the ghosts um, the one who's always attracted to women is i would argue probably the most feminine one 
Oh yeah, um, I, 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 was, I was like, that's I was a, I'm like, my that. egg yeah. alarm was going off uh, with with that ghost. Probably not intentional, but like that would be something that I would love to like complicate and play with on future rewatchings of this because, of course, I had to buy it and watch it. I have to watch it all the time now. And also <sighs> with like the way this film deals with like time and gayness through history. Um, is I would just like shout out to all the work that like the bad gays podcast does on talking about mm. like complicated legacies of what it means to look back in history and be like that's homosexuality and what we choose to reclaim and what we don't um, just because I was thinking right. about that a lot because of how this film is in direct communication with a- uh, antiquity and like very like mm. explicitly like, pederasty is something that's brought up in it um which i feel like gay men in particular we like don't talk about that and i feel like we should be the ones leading that conversation on like mm. no this wasn't chill or good um and why is this like a legacy that people are always trying to keep and stuff so i thought that was like an interesting thing in the film but people should just go listen to bad gays as well um and read that book and and their book is in paperback this month yes Mm -hmm. it's incredible Mm -hmm. yeah i have a final parting thought for all of us and that's uh at leave it alone uh, uh we'll also link to the website down below uh at wild at heart library punk library punk dot gay uh labor kyle agab zero books labor kyle everywhere labor kyle forever uh yeah, that's, that's my my final commentary links in the show notes uh and and yeah we we love you all a very a very happy joyful thriving beautiful pride month to you wherever in the world you are uh and yeah we'll, we'll just meet movie. you all at the poltergate yeah. disco later we'll meet you all yeah. at the gay disco <laughs> yeah we'll be there are you coming <laughs> oh you will be coming are you gonna be but there you also we'll should be, show we'll up to the disco there. no just party on comrades the next world is yours we hope you've enjoyed the dread discourse until next week stay spooky